Shalom Aleichem Rabbi Yisrael. This week, as Hashem, we will be Messiah, Sefer Gracious, with Parshas Vayechi, and Mitzvah Hashem next week, move on to Sefer Shmaitz. Parshas Vayechi discusses the Petir of Yaakov Avinu. Parshim explained that even though it talks about the Misa of Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov, who was going to continue giving the lessons to all the generations, Yaakov Avinu Lameis, Yaakov Avinu still kept alive. That's why Parshas Vayechi, that's why Parshas Chayisara maintains the name with the name of Chius. Even though we don't have the, we don't have Yaakov Avinu, we don't have the Ab of Yaakov Avinu and Aim of Sarimeinu, but the lessons and the the things that we learn from them, that still continues. Therefore, Chayisara Vayechi, they're still kept alive. Now, in Sefer, in Parshas Vayechi, the, um, Yaakov Avinu comes to be Mavarech all of his children. Before he gives the brachas to the rest of the children, he meets with Yosef. And Yosef gives a bracha to Nashon Ephraim, switches the hands, we we'll to talk about it. Then Yaakov Avinu says like this, Every Israel Yosef, right? Yaakov Avinu, whose name was also Israel, said to Yosef, I'm about to part from this world. And Hashem should be with you. Now that you're Mitzrayim, but Hashem should bring you back to the land of our fathers, Eretz Yisrael. I'm giving to you, in Eretz Yisrael, the city of Shechem, as an inheritance, something extra, <coughs> an inheritance that the rest of your brothers will have. Right? When Yeshua came back to Eretz Yisrael, as Yisrael was divided up to the whole Klai Yisrael, Shrem was something extra that Yaakov Avinu left for Yosef. Which was taken from the Amorites, after the Amorim, with my sword and with my bow and arrow. Now she explains that that was when Shimon and Levi came and killed out Shrem, and Shrem tried to take Dina away from Yaakov Avinu, and he violated the Kedusha of Claudius Yisrael by taking Dina, so Shimon and Levi stood up against them and killed out the entire Shechem. Shechem, therefore Shechem was taken by Rashi, The Targum Unkelis, when he translates the Pasuk, the Pasuk translates Bechayi Bekashti Betzleisi Ubevuusi. Now Tzleisi Ubevuusi in Aramaic means the, the, our prayers, our davening, our prayers, and our supplication, our personal requests. So when it refers to Kharbi, a sword is referring to our trila, our davening that we daven. And Usi is referring to our personal requests. Now, the question which many of the Mepharshim tried to deal with is why do we refer to the davening as a sword and our requests, our personal requests, as a like a bow and arrow, an arrow shooting somewhere? Now, when we refer to davening, that was referring to the Shman Esrei. That was what we call the Shman Esrei. Some people call it this in Amidah, when we stand up to Davin, and all the Tzuchat Zimra and the Berchus Kriyashpah is all leading up as a passageway to get us to that Tzvila, which is the climax of, of the Tzvila, which is the Shman Esrei. And that's referred to as as um, as Kharbi, as a sword. Whereas our personal supplication, our personal request, that's referred to as um, cash, 
cast as a, as a bow and arrow. What's the pshat? So there are many approaches. Maybe we'll discuss two. One is the approach of the Meshachachma, and one is the approach of the Netzif. Meshachachma says a beautiful word. It says like this. He says that the difference between a sword and a bow and arrow is the following. A sword is sharpened properly, that even just by touching it, it already pierces and make a cut inside someone's finger, inside someone's hand. But a bow and arrow, by just touching it, it's not going to necessarily hurt somebody. It all depends on the impact and the force that you put into it. Explains the Meshachachma. The words of the Shemayna Esrei, the words of Tefillah, were written by the Anshe Knesset HaGdoyla. And the Kedusha and the Kavana and the, the, the intent that they had in each word of the Shemayna that we have is so powerful that just by saying the word itself, even without Kavana, already starts to pierce something. It starts to make some type of a an effect. Just like the sword, just by touching, it, it makes a it makes a cut in someone's hand. And when a person goes ahead and puts kavod into that, how much more powerful that can do just by saying the words of the Shemayin Esrei, and that's something for us to be able to realize what a gift it is that we have from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Kayach of the Shemayin Esrei, that just by having those words, the words of which, which were organized by the Anshik Nesadele, that's we're not supposed to change it, we're supposed to go with the same format, I'm supposed to add, and there's other reasons why we don't add, but the a person is supposed to keep to that tefillah, and, and that has the kayak to be able to pierce through to get to Shemayin. Whereas our own personal requests, that's something that's our own words. That's something which takes a much more powerful, uh, that needs a much more of an impact to be able to get to get through. And that's why we compare the tefillah, which is from the Anshinesa Vela to a sword, as opposed to the um, our personal supplication being compared to a bow and arrow. That's the Mahalach of the Meshachachma. Now the Nitziv says a different Mahalach. He says like this. He says when an army tries to conquer a certain country, a certain area, and there's a king or something that, that's, that's in charge of that area, so the, the way that the army does is as follows. First it goes on the ground with its sword and it fights and it breaks away all the barriers they get in the way of getting, you know, to get to the king. Because then when they get, get to the king, the ones, the ones that's in charge of everything, then usually everything falls apart. But they can't just go directly to him because he's protected by all different types of barriers and things that don't allow the, the army to get through to him. So first they have to go and fight on the battlefield and get rid of those barriers that are in between. And on the ground they fight and get rid of the things that are protecting the king. Once they get rid of those barriers that are protecting the king, now they could shoot the arrow straight through and hit the king. Explains the Nitziv that when we want to dive into HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we want HaKadosh Baruch Hu to answer our tefillahs, we want to answer all of our all of our, our bakashas and all of our requests and to help us. So we have to be able to to have a kayak to allow them to get in into HaKadosh Baruch Hu because there are barriers. Sometimes because of our barriers, but sometimes because of different things that make like pizzas and barriers. <coughs> sometimes from a lack of kavana. There are certain things that make barriers in between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not allowing our tefillah to be able to get through to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You know, I'll just put in between and interject a, a story that I once, I once uh, remember when I was in near Yeshiva. When I was in near Yeshiva, so I came there uh, 1988, 
and the Benish Finkel was Rosh Hashiva. He was a big tzaddik, a big mister, the Talmud Chacham. And he kept himself a little bit more distant from the Talmudim. He wasn't as much involved, even though he ran the whole yeshiva and he was everything behind it. When he was nifter, so his, his son-in-law, Nassim Sifinkel, took over as Rosh Hashiva. And his, he had a different approach. He was more into making personal relationships with the Bachrim. He was English-speaking, he was an American. And a lot of the chutznikim, the Americans, the English, all the Bachrim, they felt that they were able to relate to him and be able to, to make a kesha with him. I remember Hashem, I was able to have a very close kesha to him. When he became Rosh Hashiva, so there was a story that happened shortly after he became Rosh Hashiva. Rosh Hashiva used to have a very, very small Ezra's Nashim. Now, you know, we don't need to, you know, it's self-understood that they made use of every single tile and every single area that in that small Ezra's Nashim, which maybe would have room to fit maybe 40 or 50 ladies, there would be sometimes 60, 70, 80 bachim that would be learning in the Yerushalayim, learning in that area. Now, in Rosh Hashanah, they used to have a big problem because that was a very small area, and the wives of Abayim, the wives of Abayim, the children of Abayim, would want to come and join in the Tfilas on, on Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. But there wasn't uh, enough room. There wasn't enough room, but they tried to stick everyone in there as much as they can. Eventually, they built a big, big, bigger as Nashim and they extended the building, for a few hundred people. But until then, that's what they had. So what did they do? On the top floor, there were two shear rooms that had windows that went down to the base of Medrash. And therefore, you were able to hear the, the tefillahs in the base of Medrash coming through those shear rooms. Now, in one of those shear rooms, there was the sister school of Eshatayr. Eshatayr was Shiva that uh, for men. And his wife ran a school for women called Iyat. And Rebetzin Weinberg, she arranged with the yeshiva that in one of those shear rooms is where the girls from Iyat would come to Davin. And <clears> that <throat> was very nice that they came to Davin over there. But there was one little inconvenience that it made for the Bachim and the yeshiva. Because to get to that specific shear room, the only way to get to that shear room was to go through one of the stairwells in the dormitory go up to the top floor and walk through the top floor of the dormitory to a corridor and then off to the side there was room to get into that into that shiro. And I think that Mir Yeshiva was a yeshiva for Bachrim. So therefore it wasn't gonna work if uh if girls from a, from a seminary are gonna come walking through a, a men's dormitory, especially in Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. So therefore the Davni was at six o'clock in the morning and the Yeshiva made it clear that the Bachem had to be out of there 15, 20 minutes before Davin was going to start. They couldn't be there as long as the Davin was going on Yeshiva. And Rosh Hashanah, it was a half a, it was a, half a problem because, uh, you know, Davin ended 2 o'clock, so at least from 2 o'clock and onwards, the boys had room to go back to their rooms. So they had kept them for the entire day. And there were some Bachem which were trying to and enjoy uh, trying to be part of Yeshiva and you know, to enjoy the tulas of Yeshiva. But sometimes they wouldn't be feeling well in the middle of the kippah. They needed to lie down. They felt sometimes a little bit uncomfortable that they couldn't, didn't have where to go. So when Rav came to Shashiva, they approached Rav Nassim They felt that they could speak to him in English. They could talk to him. And they said, Rabbi, you know, we, we, we appreciate very much that they come here, but it's a very big inconvenience. Perhaps we can work out that they should go down in someplace else. So Rav Nassim Tzvi Finkel answered them such a, such a beautiful insight. He said, you know, Tfila, that's something which we try to Ask our tefillahs to Hakadosh Baruch And 
not always is our tefillah worthy of being able to make it up to up to the Gizya Kavit. Sometimes it's lacking in our kavanah, sometimes it's lacking in our sincerity, sometimes it's lacking in uh, the different things that make a blockage from us to be able to get our tefillahs to get through. And therefore, <coughs> that's why we try to be part of a tzibur, we try to be part of a, of a group of people together to daven ta'kodesh baruchu, to daven ta'kodesh baruchu together. So that someone's tefillah, hopefully will be able to carry us through. I don't know who's going to be the one that's going to carry through me, Yeshiva, this Rosh Hashanah. It might be that there's a girl that's in that room with a sincere, broken heart that's davening to Baruch Hu, and with that sincere heart, she's going to break through to the Kisya Kavit and carry through all the thrills of Mary Yeshiva, this Rosh Hashanah. I'm not telling anyone they can't daven to Rosh Hashanah. So we see from here that for our tools to be answered, it needs Rachem Yishamayim. So the first thing we do is we, we do Tzvaisi, which is the Tfilas of Shemayin Esrei, which breaks through those barriers and makes an ability for us to be able to get through to the Kisya Kavit. Then we send our personal request. That's the arrow that we send up to the Kisya Kavit. All our requests, all the kashas, all the things that we that we need for our Siyat the Shemayin. So we see from here how powerful the Kayach of is. The Meshachachma, the Shemayin Esrei that we have is that sword. Just by touching it, it pierces through. From the Nitzit, we see that the Kayach of the Shemayin Esrei is that Kayach to be able to break through those barriers. Once we break through those barriers, once we, once we pierce through with that sword, then our Bakashas are able to be able to come to get through the Kisya Kavit to send that arrow. Shem should help us with all our, help us all with all of our Tfilas, where we should be able to break through those barriers and to let our Tfilas be able to reach the Kisya Kavit and bring us to a matzah of the Geula Shlema, the Meherevi Amenu, Amen, Bezra Shabbat. Everyone should have a wonderful Shabbos and Kol Tuf.